Bitcoin Roundtable. Random musings and interviews about Bitcoin. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 74. Ah, thanks for coming back. Um, Vince here, back with Darren, and Libby is somewhere. We've got some exciting things to talk about. We do? Yeah. Okay. Whoa, you were mentioning that you think the price is really going to pop in the next little while and some interesting reasons as to why. Well, let me qualify this by saying that... This is not investment advice. Do your, <laughs> do your own research. Yes, always. Because if Bitcoin goes down, yep. which it can, I don't want you coming after me legally, but you could try. You probably won't get anything out of me because I don't have anything. But uh, In our opinion is what all this is. Blah, blah, blah. Don't say Darren told you so. Yeah, I kind of went on down into like a Bitcoin... Rabbit hole? Rabbit hole, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, because I, I kind of got some things in order. Um, you know, I had an old exchange account that I haven't touched for like a year and a half. So right. I figured, well, you know, I better go back in there and see if there's anything on it. There wasn't really, because many moons ago, I did have some dabblings in cryptocurrency outside of Bitcoin. Ah, yes. Yeah. That was interesting. Not to say there couldn't be a resurgence in some of these alternative virtual coins, I'll call them. Okay. You know, I mean, obviously some are just real shit coins. And, and I had a couple of those too. I won't name names. Cause <laughs> I'm sure each coin has its fans out there and I don't want to piss anyone off. But, um, you know, and there's other co- coins that aren't so shitty i guess is the word yet are still just getting hammered because of course the big surge that bitcoins had this year i think the low point approximately 30 3200 or so like that Mm -hmm. people are really starting to understand the qualities that make bitcoin different i guess is um, a neutral word from the other coins you know i would wouldn't hesitate to also say just much better um, partly because it's been around for so long I think we've covered this before you know also the developers it's a real feather in the cap to be able to work on code for the Bitcoin protocol mm-hmm. and um, you know there's a lot of people that work on it and it's not an easy thing to do right and it just attracts the best of the best people so in many ways the the, the back-end software that you know that the, the bitcoin blockchain runs or the nodes run it, it's created and worked on and maintained by it's just such a whole elite level of people um you know how do you really compare that to other coins, sure, you know, I mean, I'm not the bad mouthing and other developers and such that work on these other coins, but Bitcoin, there's a lot of interest in it, and there's a lot of people that really put a lot of their hard-earned time and money into it to make sure that that protocol is just rock solid right. and always evolving, right? I mean, and, um, you know, changes are made. Um, in the programming and of course it's up to all of the people running the Bitcoin nodes 
to decide whether or not to accept these changes because it's a decentralized network, of course. Some of these changes that are getting made are truly hugely advantageous, like the, the SegWit, you know, and then the, uh, the implementation of the Lightning Network. And the, there's also talk about new security levels where, I was just reading about it yesterday, where there's been some proposals by some people to have uh, new protocols in there where, you know, there, you have different key codes. Um, and in some cases, if somebody, uh, for example, steals or tries to take the Bitcoin, you know, you have a backup code that you can use to prevent them from taking it, you know, within a certain time limit and another code to just basically burn the Bitcoin. So they've created more levels of security well, for your Bitcoin? There's there's like these ideas that are getting pinged around that are really high level and very cool. Um, you know, because of course security is a big issue right now and especially if, you oh, know, has been, right? as Bitcoin climbs in value, you know, there's security will continue to be a persistent issue. Sure. Having said that, from my standpoint, it seems like some of these exchanges, and not even exchanges, just people out there are getting much better at actually finding these thieves, catching them, right? Like, there's been a couple of, of cases of that. The fact that there's so there's so many interesting ideas out there, and of course only the best ideas ever right. get put into um, a potential change for the for the Bitcoin blockchain, but... You know, what you can basically always count on is the, the code just being so high level and, and so good. And with such a large decentralized network, I mean, how many nodes are, I think there's 10,000, I don't know how many thousand nodes are out there running, but right. there's just no chance really at all that the network could get compromised by a 51% attack. Mm -hmm. Whereas all the other coins out there, I mean, most of them anyways, if not all of them, perhaps the Ethereum and a couple others being the exception, uh, there's so few nodes running that they leave themselves open for a 51% attack because as soon as someone else has control of 51% of the nodes... they got control over it all then your coin's basically dead. They can right. do what they want with it, right? Right. They can create their own block and your network, your blockchain will wind up accepting um, the wrong inputs, meaning, you know, if I gained 51% uh, control of a network, then I could basically say, well, I am the recipient of all the money that gets sent by everybody. And, right. You know, and then away you go. Make a couple million and then kill the coin and it's gone. Well, so. it sounds like Bitcoin is that cream that's rising to the top and really lately it's almost starting to separate itself when you've got the best coders the best miners working and going from other coins to bitcoin yeah it's really telling us that if it's going to be any crypto it's definitely going to be bitcoin and it's only going to continue to separate itself yeah well you know it's been that way for a couple of years now um, right it, it's just become more apparent that you know, you're seeing the Bitcoin dominance percentage. I think um, Bitcoin now accounts for 68% of all the market cap of all the virtual coins. All out there. coins. Okay. Yeah. You know, all right. Which is, yeah. uh, and that's that's an all-time high, in my opinion. Bit the price of Bitcoin is just getting started. So uh. imagine 
what happens, you know, if it starts going up multiples from here. Mm-hmm. If I'm sitting on an XYZ coin, I don't even know if there is an XYZ. I'm just calling it that. Yeah. Because I don't want to single out a particular coin. <laughs> yes. You know. Yeah. Okay, sure. You know, I, I spent a thousand bucks and bought, you know, 50,000 XYZ coins. And now, in dollar value, the total value of them might be 50 bucks. Right. Maybe 20 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe if I actually put the 50 bucks and 20 bucks in Bitcoin now and it does it 10 times, it's still a better option in many still, cases still because if that coin's going to die, you're never, you know, if it's eventually going to go to zero. And, and that's what you're seeing. I mean, a lot of the money that's coming out of, the, especially the, the the coins with, you know, they're real, what do you call them? Um, dogs. <laughs> real dogs or almost yeah. impossible odds of ever getting anywhere. You yes. Know? then they're basically going to zero. Right. People are just saying, oh, you know what? I'll take the 5% of my initial investment, mm-hmm. get get it out, and put it in Bitcoin. Right. Right? And, that, and that's what's happening. Hmm. <laughs> it's interesting. You know, I, I recently started to look into stock-to-flow stock ratios and, and stock-to-flow models. And when I watched a video a while ago, and I think it was an Austrian economist, um... I'll have to get his name some other time, but he was talking about hard assets. Mm -hmm. And money always gravitates to the hardest asset. Sure. And a hard asset, a good example of that in the past, and even now, is gold, right? Silver. Silver, less so, because it's a little... There's some qualities about silver that make it better than gold in that it's an easier way to, say, purchase goods. Um, you know, if you're at the grocery store and your total bill is twenty dollars or something like that, you know, in the past, I suppose, you know, you'd you would have some silver coins that would be very closely matched to the value of what you'd owe. Whereas gold, I mean, you know, you chip off a little nugget off your brick of gold, it, it becomes a it becomes more difficult in day to day use right. for gold, and that's in many ways that's kind of why gold has become a much greater store of value than silver. It's just harder to go about day-to-day business using gold as um, the way to trade. Right, yes. Um, I hear, I know what you're saying. And Bitcoin being even better than gold. Yeah, well, you know, there's just a discussion, um, a video a couple days ago, I think Anthony Pompliano and Peter Schiff Schiff being the fellow who called the big real estate crash in 2008. Right. I think he had a run for the Senate. He's been trying to get into the political side of things, but he's a big fan of gold. Pompliano. Yeah, so he, right. had a, he had a big uh, debate with Peter Schiff about, um, you know, Bitcoin and gold. Whereas, you know, obviously Peter Schiff took the position that Bitcoin's trash and gold's everything. And, right. Uh, Pompliano had some other points to add that, you know, perhaps uh, people are overlooking about, you know, some of the greater positive qualities about Bitcoin. Um, You know, but to me, it's all just fluff. And when I say that, I mean everybody in positions such as Peter Schiff, uh, Kevin O'Leary, Mm-hmm. All the financial guys, right? And even all the politicians, they all know Bitcoin is a much harder asset 
and a much better store of value. Right. It's it's just a much better investment right now. If if you're gonna buy gold versus buying Bitcoin for saving some of your money or for the long term, they all know Bitcoin's better. Bitcoin's better. But they're not gonna say that. They don't wanna say that because they're still buying. So if they said Bitcoin was better, <laughs> so would everybody go out and buy? And yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was just today I watched a video where Kevin had um, some very negative points about Bitcoin. Or Kevin, Kevin O'Leary, sorry. Yes. And I think it was on CNBC and saying, "Oh, what is this trash?" Yada yada yada. Playing the the heel yeah. type personality usually does, right? And there's a fellow online that recorded a video of Kevin O'Leary being interviewed on the CBC in, in British Columbia in 2011. Uh-huh, yeah. And he had the exact opposite to say. Really? Yeah. He said, oh, you know, Bitcoin, it's exceeded its $1 billion market cap, which means as a hedge fund manager, I have to take it seriously. Um, some wealthy clients are using it, and that means it's a go for me. So I've, you know, I'm considering putting some in my hedge fund. And that was when Bitcoin was at $300 a coin. Right. Right? Yeah. So basically, when, when guys in media interviews or positions of power have something negative to say about Bitcoin, you have to be careful. Sure. Because they're never going to say anything positive about it until they have... Until they're completely, <laughs> until they're fully invested. Yes. And then it'll be selling for a million bucks a coin. Yeah. Right. And then they'll be all over it, loving it. And then all these poor suckers who, uh, you know, were listening to these guys, mm-hmm. are now faced with the issue of well, fiat currency's failing because the central banks have inflated the hell out of it. They're printing trillions of dollars a year. Yeah. My personal wealth has been cut in half in five years due to stagflation. Central central bank induced stagflation, where you know you have a failing economy and rising asset prices, and a failing economy means you have a hard time with finding work if if you're looking for work. Yeah. If you do have a job, you don't get raises. Right. Um, so basically, the value of everything explodes except your income. Right. And that's stagflation, and that's what happened in the seventies. It's coming. And that's why everyone's getting into Bitcoin and they want to keep it as cheap as they can for as long as they can so they can buy as much as they can. Because they know, as everyone should know about Bitcoin, they're only making $21 million. Oh. And that means, I think a couple of days ago, it surpassed the $3 million point. Or did so it? There's, there's, there's only about three more million Bitcoin that will ever be created. Right. And that's over the next hundred years. Yeah. Think about that. Think about that and think about the the fact that money is inflating so hard that central banks and countries and soon corporations will be selling bonds at negative interest rates, meaning you will pay more for the bond than you will receive when you cash it out. <laughs> if that's not right enough. That's on the not wall, scary enough, yeah. What it's telling you is if you're going to be holding cash, it will just, its real value is going to decline and it's going to decline quickly. Quickly. Sure, not the level of Brazil that Argentina had and Venezuela yet, but it's coming. 
And you still don't want it to decline. That's not the whole idea, right? It's well. I mean, I'm telling you, like, Bitcoin is going to grow so hard, so fast, when this really starts to catch. Because, you know, and gold. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna knock gold. I like gold. gold yeah. gold's a good store of value. Gold's a good store of value. Yeah. You know, but remember, I think it was in the 30s or 20s, where the government decided that they were gonna seize all the gold out there. So if you actually owned gold. You had to give it to the government. Ah. You should Google that. Ah, that's interesting. I didn't know that. How, you know, how are you going to seize your seize someone's Bitcoin for the government? Oh, sure, KYC, but not really. Yes. Right? Yeah. So, it's out in the ether. If you don't send her the Bitcoin, I mean, I guess maybe they can try to throw you in jail until you give them a password. But even then, you know, okay, here's my Bitcoin. Here's my... Here's my point one Bitcoin that I own. Right. Although secretly you have another point four Bitcoins in a different wallet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's yeah, it's, it's almost impossible to right. Yeah. Yes. And plus, Bitcoin's a world currency, meaning that okay, so give me a name of a country that doesn't exist. <laughs> X Y Z. Okay, country X Y Z. You know the king goes hey. No more Bitcoin. We're going to seize it all. If you own Bitcoin and you live in my country, then you have to send it all to me. Time back. I'm, I'm King Greedo. <laughs> King right? Greedo. All right. But you know what? Country JKL, uh-huh. they love Bitcoin. Uh-huh. So you move to country JKL. Sure you do. Or, you know, you call up a friend in country JKL and send them your Bitcoin. Yeah. You know, with the promise that, you know, maybe they'll send you back something nice. You can send it any amount, yeah. anywhere you want, to anyone you want, at any time. I mean, that is one of the main reasons why it's a, it's a better asset than gold. And I'm saying, my standpoint is this. This whole concept about weaponizing the SWIFT network and vetting people, you know, making sure that Oh, oh, you can't send them money, you know, because yeah, maybe yeah. they live in the wrong country. Or right. Money should travel to anywhere anyone wants it to. To enforce... You'd have a lot of people giving you an argument on that line. Look, I, if, I get if, it. If you're going to enforce the concept of money, in, in my opinion, you're basically supporting complete authoritarianism. Right. Where oh I got a hundred dollars that in U.S. dollars that came in my bank account. <clears throat> well, the bank won't accept it. Why not? We don't know where it came from. Okay, so now I gotta go you know over to the other bank, and you know get them to write a personal letter to send to the other bank, saying yes this hundred dollars came from you know completely legitimate sources, right? I've had to do that. Yeah, and so have I. Yeah. And I tell you, it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. And you want to know why, you know, your bank account fees are high and why it costs $30, $40 to send a, a small wire somewhere in three fucking days to get there. Yeah. You know, it's because every transaction is monitored and vetted. I'll be so happy when, you know, all that just falls in the wayside. Like, mm-hmm. I, oh, don't you know? Don't paint me in a corner and say I'm. You're not terrorism. supporting terrorism. I'm just saying, you're just, yeah, I you know, know what you're saying. I'm saying start enforcing your laws 
in other more flexible ways without the need for, you know, weaponizing your currencies. It's ridiculous. You were talking about something when we first came on that was interesting to me, and I want to talk a little more about it. And it's about adding um, more security to those who own Bitcoin. I have, you know, a Bitcoin, we'll just say, and I've got it in my wallet. And of course, it's my wallet's my passcode. But you said they're also trying to introduce... Well, I was just reading about it, right? It's a, right. Guy, it's a guy who was working on something, and then he stopped, and then all of a sudden he's starting to see all this nefarious thing is happening with theft, so he's kind of, you know, reintroducing it again. So. It's got to go a long way to easing people's mind, and especially people who are really worried about... Well, in, in my opinion, that's, like, that's the biggest problem with Bitcoin. Yes. I mean... Bar none, Yes. People can hack into certain computers, yep. right? Partly because, I'm not going to say who, but somebody forced all the chip makers to put in uh, design holes in their microchips so that, you know, they, they could gain access to anyone's computer at any time. Hmm. So now, of course, bad actors have a handle on all of these lovely software tools that were also designed by such said people you know they're on the open web now so you can download and hack into people's computers or or you know basically just download a trojan right like oh you know click on this ad and get a free virus cleaner right meanwhile they install something that doesn't do anything hard really hard to tell it's running right but say you click on a bitcoin address and copy it and then paste that address into something else and hit send Right? Oh, well, that program just changes and, and puts in its own address to send. Right. So anytime you send Bitcoin, it puts in its own address, right? You just lost your Bitcoin. Jimmy the hacker just sits back and watches his Bitcoin account fill up. That type of stuff, you have to be very wary about it. And so, if you're careful, you know, as in, you know, you don't copy and paste, or if you do copy and paste, you check the address. Right. And make sure. Well, I think you've really taught taught me a long time ago about copying pasting things. Just double check everything when it comes to Bitcoin, yeah. right? That'll go a long way. Uh, so when it comes to the security of Bitcoin, is there any foreseeable time in the future where maybe government or Bitcoin bank could get involved in the security of Bitcoin so that you, you know, not wanting to, not being able to take it and put it in a wallet, but you'd be okay keeping it in a Bitcoin bank, which is secure. Oh, yeah. Well, there's, you know, like yeah, that, that's, it's already kind of happening, right? Like, there's companies well, out there that'll... Shady, know, though. Like Not shady, no. Quadriga? No, that's an exchange. That's not a bank. Right. There's banks that will do it today. Okay, there's two different things, right? There's a bank and there's an exchange. An exchange is a way for you to get Bitcoin via other assets. So if you're holding dollars or yes. yada yada or other coins or whatever, yeah. you exchange that and trade it for Bitcoin. Right. That's a that's a Bitcoin exchange. Right. A bank, I mean, I didn't Google it, I don't know, but to me, the true definition of a bank is a secure place to store your assets. Yes. So if you want a Bitcoin bank, there are a couple companies out there. Don't know the names of any offhand, but I do know there are some um, 
that literally store your Bitcoin for a fee. And it's, you know, obviously fully insured. Mm-hmm. Yada, yada. You know, no problem. So you can... I think it's big in, uh, or was big at least in Silicon Valley, because there's a quite a few okay. wealthy people in Silicon Valley that used that service. Right. Because if I guess if you got a hundred million or five hundred million, you know, or a couple billion in Bitcoin, I'd sleep better at night knowing someone else was responsible for the security of it. Which might help down the road well, more of that with more and it'll get better and you'll hear more about it there'll be more companies I mean as Bitcoin yeah. proliferates those services will also rise I mean to the point where you know perhaps well if you use this wallet for storage and you follow our recommendations then you're fully insured up to you know X number of Bitcoin or yeah I, I see that happening the insurance side of it quite more so well, in the 90s, they used to do it with bike locks. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, you know, it's it's all coming, but it's just such early adoption, right? Yeah. I mean, you literally have, like, thousands of these types of companies that are just getting rolling, right? Like, all these service companies saying, yes, we need this, and we need this, and we need that. And, mm-hmm. you know, sure, a lot will fail, but the ones with, you know, real value and good ideas mm-hmm. will definitely persist mm-hmm. I mean I was reading something about uh, one of the exchange CEOs you know basically saying like yeah we need we need hundreds and thousands of more exchanges for people yeah. you know and here I was thinking oh there's a couple big exchanges that's that's probably yeah. enough and we need I, I'm, just, I'm just not truly thinking at the scale right well then most people don't and the number of people that don't have internet access, perhaps, right, in these sure. other countries. And so you need branches where they can walk in if they want to buy Bitcoin, right? Or set up like a 7-Eleven type service where you yeah. have a chain and then you just all of a sudden take on the ability to buy and sell Bitcoin. I think there's a postal service in one country in uh, Europe now that does Bitcoin um, exchange. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, there. But that's it, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. It is, yeah. yeah. You know, it's kind of like Sears, right? Where everyone, you know, you see the value in Sears, you're like, oh my gosh, there's a Sears, there's a little Sears, not necessarily store, but warehouse or pickup location and all these small towns in North America, right? And you're like, oh my God, the potential that was lost. Yeah. You know, but, you know, we still got the post office, Canada Post, and, yeah. and it's an official government entity. I mean, why aren't they in the business of selling Bitcoin, right? I mean, considering the percentage fees that the ATMs charge, like sure, 10%, 12% to buy, Canada Post could be debt-free in a year if they started doing that. <laughs> yeah. And actually justifying a higher level of service, you know, than like, yeah. come on, you know? Last spring, like a year and a half ago, I was visiting my dad. We went to some luncheon and there was a local politician, an MP there, you know, and there was some talk about like how, and this was before uh, Doug Ford came in power. Okay. Win. For anyone who doesn't know out there, we had a premier who, <laughs> you know, I mean, she was liberal. There was a lot of spending going on. And in my personal opinion, some significant boondoggles with hydro and such, to the point where we were creating a lot more electricity than we ever needed, and yet, you know, we were also paying massive amounts of money to support the windmill electricity generation and stuff. 
yada yada. There's pluses and minuses to both sides. But basically, what what was it? Thirty five cents a kilowatt hour that we're paying for yeah. these things by contract. Meanwhile, she's selling excess electricity to the U.S. and to neighboring provinces. Was it one cent a kilowatt hour? Right. Some ridiculously, insanely low fee. And I never got to talk to the MP, but I was thinking, and it's still too early, right? Because they're not on the Bitcoin line of thought. I thought, right. my God, you know, you go up northern Ontario, it's cold as hell up there, even in the summer. Sink a billion or two into a Bitcoin mining farm, because she, God knows how many billions she sank into the bullshit that never got it. Never anywhere. even made it anywhere, yeah. Right? Instead of selling off your electricity at a lower rate than you're paying to produce it, mine some goddamn bitcoins. <laughs> Look, <laughs> I'm just some clown, right? Like, we don't know shit. You know, they're, I mean, they're always just trying to get, re, you know, voted back in is all they're trying but to do. But Quebec was smart. They you know they got Bitcoin mining going. And out in BC, but Ontario, the most indebted province, is it is it like the most moronic province? Mm. It's just stupid. Yeah. You, know, you could be churning out a profit. Like, you build a mining farm, costs you a billion. You're churning out profits of 300 million a quarter. Yeah. You know, it's paid for in a year. Yeah, that ain't bad. You know, and yeah. you, a couple people got jobs, right? And all of a sudden, you're putting a couple billion into the coffers over a couple years. Yeah. And holy moly, if you actually save some Bitcoin and. <laughs> like, look, the writing's on the wall. Bitcoin's going up. Yeah. And dramatically, you know, maybe it's going to go down first. So don't, you know, bet your farm on a leveraged bet and then get taken out. But, I mean. It's going up. It's going up. It is. Like, Christ, Ontario could be the richest province on the in Canada in five years if they just mined some goddamn Bitcoin and saved it. <laughs> They're not going to Like, do fuck that the either. amount of money we spent on this shit projects that were completely wasteful and got nowhere you know like the natural gas how many actual billions were spent on those canceled natural gas contracts they wave around and say it's a billion but you know you read deeper and all of a sudden it's it's like three what's three four billion yeah bitcoin it's frustrating to me i guess it's frustrating because i kind of like canada you know i was born here but fuck there's I mean who's running this shit show yeah. is it any better in your country listeners hopefully so I mean <laughs> yeah let, let, let us know let us know you hear, you've heard some of the um, challenges that we're dealing with here in uh, Canada and particularly in Ontario so yeah we'd be very interested with some feedback god I'll probably hurt some Canadians feelings I'll get hate mail or something I well, don't know. What else do we talk about? Oh, stock to flow. Stock to flow. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I don't know what stock to flow is. Well, when, when I was in the rabbit hole, I ran into that. Seemed, you, you know, it seems like a weird term, right? Um, you tumble down there a lot. But really, what all it means is um, basically... Layman's terms. If stock to flow is a high or low, probably low... If low stock, high flow means you're going to run into a shortage, right? So it, it's all about if we use uh, gold, for example, right? Yeah. I think gold is a, has an inflation rate of approximately 4%. Okay. Meaning that, you know, through mining every year, they add about 4% more gold to, to, to the mix. To the mix. Right. So... And 
because it's such a hard asset, I mean, you can look up the hard asset definition. There's certain qualities about it. Yes. Money always goes towards hard assets. That's the asset that's least likely to rook you out of your money. Tyrannosaurus rex bones or skulls as a hard asset, right? Yeah. There's not many out there, and they're really hard to find, of course, until someone finds a football field full of them, and then, right. then the value plummets, right? So gold is a good hard asset because there's so many people actively looking for gold, and it is quite rare. I think it has to come from an asteroid. So, you know, when something hits the Earth, like an asteroid hits the Earth, that's basically how gold exists. Sure. If there was no asteroids that ever hit the Earth... Apparently, there'd be no gold. Yeah. That's how rare it is. Total amount of gold in the world would fill three Olympic-sized swimming pools. Okay. Extremely heavy and dense, so, you know, um, mind you, but... Yeah, so anyways, China and Russia have been buying gold because they know which way the wind's blowing as far as the central banking system and the consistent push... To bring interest rates to zero and even negative rates because all of the governments are so in debt, that's how they're going to do it. So they're going back to hard assets, gold. Um, Some other countries are starting to see the writing on the wall. Um, And what's being forecast is stagflation, huge inflation where basically no personal wealth growth. And if you're holding cash, it's going to inflate away, so the real value will decline dramatically, which is why there's a huge demand for gold and also Bitcoin. So anyway, stock-to-flow ratio. Hard um, assets. Gold has a great stock-to-flow ash, uh, ratio because it's very consistent and it's very low, mm-hmm. and it's also a very hard asset. Yes. So there was a graph I looked on the uh, y-axis was valuation in terms of i think it was all in u.s dollars and then on the x-axis the horizontal axis was a couple of hard assets and the axis was the inflation rate Mm -hmm. so the amount of of that asset being produced a a year by percentage and so it, it follows a very linear chart and they use silver and gold on it silver has a higher inflation rate they they can mine more silver out of the ground as a percentage of total amount of silver. And I think it was about 7%, 6-7%, don't quote me on that, but about that. Basically, if you map the hard assets, they all follow along a very linear line, and it's all relegated to the inflation rate and how much more is being produced per mm-hmm. year. So Bitcoin is on that curve. And it's valued at ten thousand US. Yeah. It fits exactly on that line at ten thousand right now. Yeah. And its inflation rate is about five. It's just a little higher. It's higher than gold. Okay. Five point two percent or something like that. So when the next happening, June twenty twenty, it actually falls to a lower in- inflation rate than gold. Using that same line, which, you know, you can poke holes in it. I mean, I'm okay sure with that. I'm not going to yeah. follow it as golden rule. But basically, that line is saying the proper valuation for Bitcoin after the halving in 2020 will be 50000 U.S. Well, it's an interesting stock to flow. is quite something. I mean, uh, you know, I was just watching a video by Bitfink, and he brought up uh, stock to flow. Yeah, I watched it too. You could see... 
the stock to flow. I don't know. On his chart, they it went up, so I don't know if it was an inverse of that or something. Right. But basically, as stock to flow tightens, meaning there's more flow compared to stock or less stock compared to the flow, mm-hmm. meaning there's just less Bitcoins on the exchange available to be traded. Guess what's happening? Know, as soon as it popped up, you just wa- you could just watch the price rocket up. And it follows a pattern, which tells me that it's going to keep doing that. Well, every halvening, right, it yeah. tightens up. There's mm-hmm. less available, right? Yeah. And, and the holders are storing and holding and taking it off the exchange. Because if you leave it on the exchange, a great way for an exchange to make money is to take the Bitcoins that you are holding on their exchange and lend them out to other people. <laughs> Usually people with a lot of money who then use those Bitcoins to short and try to bring down the prices to take people out. That's just asinine. If you hold your money, if you hold your bitcoins on an exchange, you are allowing the exchange to, can, you know, lessen the value of your coins. It's funny, I call them whales, right? As though there's like a couple guys and they're all like big bruiser mafia guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't work that way, I'm sure. No, but, it's little geeky you know, traders with a with a mouse. But you know, if I'm like a, I don't know, a hedge fund guy, or I, I want to make Bitcoin seem like a bad thing to people, you know. So I'll borrow all the money on that exchange and then enter a huge short position. Maybe I'll take, oh, you know, 30,000 Bitcoin and then just sell it all in one shot. You know, mm-hmm. watch watch Bitcoin tank from maybe, oh, you know, 18,000 to 12,000. Right. When everybody has to is forced to sell because they are leveraged trading, which is something you have to be very careful about. When your position gets liquidated, you lose everything. So they, you know, and then they buy up more Bitcoin at the bottom. Yeah. When people are selling it all, so. So get your Bitcoin in your wallets, people. So if you run it, if you <laughs> if you're storing Bitcoin on an exchange, yep. be aware that you know this oftentimes those Bitcoins will be used against you. It's almost like talking to the police when you're not. When yeah. After you get arrested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Interesting. Or maybe I'm wrong. Well, that's why we say do your own research. I'm just yeah, we're just uh, offering what we happen to know. <laughs> take it, to, you know, take it in a dime and go to the store if you want. But yeah, okay, interesting. Yeah. Rock and roll. All right. Well, thanks a lot, everybody, for uh, coming out and listening to us ramble on this week. Uh, hope yeah. we. It's gave... a lot of rambling, eh? Uh, you know, it's all right. It's nice, nice when you get talking. Yeah, maybe I'll get some hate mail. We'll no, see. it's okay. I think people wanted to hear you talk. Right. All right. Fair yeah. enough. Have a good night. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bitcoin Roundtable. Random musings and interviews about Bitcoin.